This content is intended for adult cigar smokers age 21 and older. All right, Nick, good show. <laughs> okay. Uh, Greg's leaving to go take advantage of our brand new coupon code. Type in Long Ash all day Friday and Saturday, and you will receive 20% off your entire purchase. Some exclusions apply, but other than that, 20% off your entire purchase all day Friday and Saturday when you use the coupon code Long Ash. Nick, did you know I just got 20% off? Yes. Dude, I got to get some sort of like statue or something like that to like. You do well. We have we have this we have the sack of squatch. I need like a. Uh, you need mighty uh, Connecticut statue. Like a, like a, the, what's the bridge that goes what's, over the river? What's the bird? What's the state bird? That's a great question. And then you can put your face know. on the bird. <laughs> I like it. No, how about getting like the the wise man like a talisman? Yes, like, like oh, a, I get a little one. I a little, little totem. One. I got one of those. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You have cool. Cause, no, you have. I remember when we went there. You had the hockey mask. Somebody mm. took a like a, like a goalie's mask and painted it like with the Wednesday. That was my logo. friend John Pappas. Yeah, his buddy paints professionally helmets. It would do. It was you know what awesome. you should do is because you so you have the high clear. You get the high clear like building, and then you get little figurines and have a village and every person like you have the tabernacle, you have the wise man, and everything. You should start naming all your cigars like little village people <laughs> around this castle. I like it. <laughs> I like it. There you go. Wow. <laughs> yes. I just got <laughs> not, not, not why Somebody I'm lost his head over there. Yeah. We're not recording, are we? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Oh shit. No, right. don't worry about it. It was the uh, punch clown. He no said. headphones. No. I like it. Yeah, we're not that professional. No. <laughs> this is like Joe Rogan podcast. Oh yeah. Joe Rogan by day. Joe Rogan podcast by, by night. night. All day. Oh. Well, what's good about them is that they're like probably five, seven feet apart from each other, so the audio doesn't bleed into each other. So it's yeah. great editing. Yeah. So now we can now we have like a little bit of intro. Then we're gonna do the real intro. Welcome to Long Ash Podcast episode whatever. I don't know the number. I think we're twenty six. Twenty six. Something like that. I am of course Ev uh, Ev Nick Libretti. <laughs> I am Nick Libretti. Uh, with me as always, uh, my partner in crime and life partner. Just don't oh, tell. H- just don't H- tell your wife. H- H-O's. Yeah. Just uh, Greg Waters of the of the Waters family, Waters. and we have a very special guest today. Um, okay. I've been trying to get this guy on our show since before we even had a show. I'm like, if I ever have a show, I need him on the show. Um, we have the wonderfully talented, the brilliant, the hilarious Nick Melillo of Foundation Cigars. Thank you very much for joining. Thank you. Hey, great to be here. <laughs> this changes from, I'm always hey, excited. Great to be here. Fantastic. Catch me at the comedy store at 9 o'clock tomorrow. <laughs> I'll be doing my routine all week long. Uh, so, Nick, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. You know, it's always, I was excited to do this um, because I always have fun with you on, uh, every now and then I'll look up our... Uh, our review talking yeah. in our foundation uh, office. Uh, yeah, Greg makes fun of me because for, for that video, you and Anthony make fun of me for that. Which video. one? Why? The, the one we were, where we were doing the one out in the field where we were yeah. sitting in the chairs. Yeah, so, I'm like slouched over. Yeah, we're sitting there, and then you said something about bringing up one of your cigars, and he goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'll take care of it." And you're just like, "What are you talking?" You just like you like almost spit out your water. <laughs> So now that was fun, though. I know it was fun, but it was it was a, we call it a nickism. It was like one of my right, many because now he does it all the time. He's like, yeah, 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 I'll take care of it, like all the time. It's it's I what like I say it. to somebody like when I'm like kind of listening and they're like, I need you to do something. I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll do it. Like whatever. Yeah, like, just, just go away. So that's what you were doing to me. Yeah. All right. Now I'm going to yeah. look at this interview in a whole different light. <laughs> now he's going to look a stone wall in the interview. <laughs> can we smoke in here? Absolutely, yeah, we can. Right. So we we're going to light up. No, we're going to we're going to light up right now. We're going to enjoy. Um, Nick's first cigar that he ever created. It came out in 2014. 
2015. 2015 at the IPCPR now PCA. Yeah, whatever. This, yeah. Whatever September. September we started shipping mm. 2015. And so you it's got four in, years. You got in that year's top 25, or then following the years? following the following year. year's yeah. top 25. Yeah. Which was yeah. which is very very impressive. And that was the year that gave me hope because the year before that I'm like, are they ever gonna start ranking like? These guys, like the Roma Crafts, the found, you know, the foundations, the Steve. Like yeah. These, are they ever going to give them the the notoriety they deserve? And that year, they actually got you and Roma Craft yeah, in the top twenty five. Yeah, in the same time. So 25. it was. It was impre- I was impressed. So it's. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the blend we're smoking, and then we'll get into more generic, like your your personal history. So tell us yeah, about what we're so, smoking today. You know, I thought I challenged the market phonetically mm-hmm. in uh, pronunciating what uh, you did. new words. So I created a cigar called Way Wednesday. Mm. So it's it's not even a Spanish word, right? It's indigenous to Nicaragua. Oh wow! So as you know, you know, I moved to Nicaragua in two thousand three. I was twenty four. Nicaragua became a part of me. You know, right. I'm from Connecticut originally, Italian family, but, um, you know, Nicaragua has really become a, a, a part of me exactly. living there all these years. So for my first blend, I knew I wanted to do an all Nicaraguan blend, right. which I never had done before, That anything that was all Nicaraguan that came to, right. to market. And was not expected because of your work with Drew Estate and your, and your renowned work with Broadleaf. Everyone's like, oh, the, his first cigar is going to be an awesome Broadleaf. And then you went the opposite, opposite direction. Right. Because I wanted to really display what Nicaraguan tobaccos have to offer and, you know, do a blend that's filler binder wrapper, which the Wawense is, Wawense, which means the wise man, um, you know, wrapper tobacco in Nicaragua is difficult because of the sun exposure, mm. uh, because of the land, uh, you have to grow in undershaded tents. So just getting wrapper from Nicaragua in general is more difficult. So um, I teamed up with uh, Aganorsa, which I had been buying tobacco for, you know, with for mm since 2003, and I knew uh, they made one of the, the best wrapper tobaccos, so um, hence the Wednesday. I mean, it's it's delicious, and I will say, I actually forgot until just the other day that uh, you made this with Aganorsa. You're a hard one to, to pin down because you're, you don't have, like, your own factory, so you really, you, you and that could be a benefit to you, is you get to utilize, like, the best from here, the best from here, where, like, this, exactly. this particular blend I want to do, I know this this company can do it the best. You know, for Tabernacle, I know AJ can really do this well. For this Nicaraguan one I want to do, I know Aganorsa. And that really frees you up. Do you feel that way, or do you sometimes wish, exactly. like, I wish I had my own factory to kind of do this? You know, I tell people now I'm like a grandfather. <laughs> I get to see the kids. I get to play with the kids. I don't have to take the kids home. Right. So, you know, I knew being, I, I helped uh, form the largest cigar factory in Nicaragua. Right. Yes, you did. So, um, you know, from very few cigars a day till 2014, when I left Drew Estate there, we were making 105,000 cigars. So I, I've been through the whole process. So I know the process in and out. And I knew I needed to focus a little bit more time starting my own company, Foundation, on the sales and distribution side, because this is all new for me, you know, and I'm, mm. I'm learning. So I knew working with different factories, as you said, I would be able to have access because of my relationships with tobacco suppliers and with these factories, I'd be able to access the leaf Mm. that I needed to. And at the same time, not have to worry about overhead at the factory, dealing with the government, dealing with, 
I'm only one person, so it would have been, you know. Right, it would have been tough. So I have my own quality control teams. You know, I'm working with, you know, these guys. I know the process. So it's been it's been great. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so. It's, it's really impressive. And um, I, I personally have always loved the fact, Nick, that first of all, we share not only a name, but a background. And when I tell people, you know, I, I get... One of the most common questions I always get on YouTube or Instagram, like, you know, what, what are some of your favorite cigars? Like, who should, uh, you know, what do you suggest? Are you guys cousins? We could be. Yeah. We We're could be. reveal a lot of information. He's the artistic cousin with, like, the, the Samuel L. Jackson hat, and then I'm, like, the dirtbag cousin who, like, <laughs> just John finished Travolta. community college again. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's a good college. It is. Um, what else did we share? What? Well, we share like a, like a background, you know, Italians, Northeast. That's true. And when I tell people, I'm like, oh, one of the, you know, like, oh, who's your favorite blender? Like, I'm like, Nick Melillo is, is one of the tops, man. And they're like, Nick Melillo. I'm like, yeah, he's Italian guy from Connecticut. And like, yeah. he's one of the best. I'm like, he's one of the best. Yeah. So it's, and it's, it's weird because you have these classic, um, really, fit, you know, the, the Jorge Padrones and the Carlito Fuentes and the E.P. Carillos. But I'm a to, big fan of all those yeah, guys. Some of the yeah. best guys in the industry now, though, I mean, are Nick Melillo or John Huber from Tennessee. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's cool to see. And they're also guys like you are not just doing it for like money or like, oh, no, this is a cool thing to do. Like, no, like you're invested. You moved to Nicaragua for was almost 20 years at this point. Yeah. And you embrace the culture and you bring that into each of these brands. And it's it's remarkable. And when he when Greg first started smoking cigars, I think one of the first ones I suggested for you was the Tabernacle, yep. and that's still oh, yeah. one of his favorites. Yep. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Second, oh, he put second you right one. into the, I'm the a, wheel I'm, of fire. I'm a big fan of the Tabernacle. Nice. Yeah, so that was something that we went, Alex and I went through that box really quickly, because we used to sit right here, and no one knew, like, we're really, I mean, they kind of knew we were smoking, but not knowing, because, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't know if we're shooting or not, right. so we'd just be smoking Tabernacles while we're editing. Nice. Yeah, it was, really, nice. it was nice. Tabernacle, and I like, and I, as I was reading a little more about the um, the Menelik this year, I read you basically have, with the, I want to say with the exception of Charter Oak, you almost have, um, what's it called? Uh, like an album when it tells a story. Uh, oh, anthology? Yeah, no. like an anthology, like yeah. a concept album. Okay. Like, like uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall, like the whole album tells it. All your cigar releases, with the exception of, one, I want to say, Charter Oak and High Clear, but... Well, Wednesday, well, Wednesday, or Wise Man Maduro, Tabernacle, Menelik, they're all in this kind of the Solomon and, and Wise Man and Kings kind of thing. I love culture, man. Yeah. I love history. So each brand, like even Charter Oak or High Clare, that's why those... Yeah, you know, they high, have a separate history, right. Separate history, but each brand, yeah. Uh, the Wise Man, totally different Nicaraguan, right. but kind of ties in with the Tabernacle right. in that sense. And Menelik... Which is interesting, kind of ties in to both brands. It's yeah. more of a uh, related to Tabernacle, right? But Menelik means son of the wise man, which was the son of Solomon. So it kind of yeah tied into who sings the song the wise. Um, oh, oh uh, slightly stupid. Slightly stupid. Yeah, I that's love a that great song. Too, I man. Was go like Shine Down or the uh, no. I do like that's sh a great song. Uh, Shine Down did Simple a cover man, of right? Simple Man. That's, that's really that's, really that's, good. That's, that's, that's really good. There's a slightly stupid live version of, of that, that of Wise oh, Man. I yeah, to it. that's a great. I'll tune. play it. Too. It's it's just like a really chill. That's another thing I love about Nick Melillo is his music tastes are. All, we were driving in Connecticut, me, him, and Anthony. So three Ita three bearded Italians in a car in Connecticut. He's blasting Wu Tang. 
<laughs> he's just blasted it. And then there was those girls we invited. There was like a meteor shower that night. He's like, you want to come look at the meteor shower on my farm? That was uh, August. Uh, that was August. Yeah. And they said, yeah, they they said no. But they didn't bite. They said no. Come on. What's more romantic than going and watching a meteor shower? Like, look with at these meteor showers with foundation cigars. Yeah. We smoke these every day. With three That's bearded stra- three bearded strangers. <laughs> yeah. So you got to take some risks. In you life, do, you, you know? do. I mean, that was probably that's probably like a big risk. I'm, I'm, ha- <laughs> I'm happy for their, you know, their parents raised them right. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so so you're saying culture, yeah, co- yeah. So history, you, you kind of yeah. have, I, I, and I, as a history major, I love the history that you kind of put into each one. Um, especially, I mean, the the whole kind of biblical Solomon dynasty thing with the tabernacle. Yeah. But as an American history major, the Charter Oak. Is yeah. really cool, yeah. and I also love what you're doing with High Clear and that uh, that whole story behind it. And like that High Clear just fit in in that sense because it's right. it's active history. Yeah, right can you now, tell us you a little know. bit about how that like started? Man, it was really you know uh, sometimes people think it's a, a some sort of like gimmicky thing with you know High Clear is where they shoot the f- uh, show Downton Abbey yeah. and whatnot. So the project formed really organically. A friend of mine, uh, Adam Van Gutkin. Yeah. Are, Great I name. Him, yeah. Love that name. Von Gutkin. One of my most <laughs> says, favorite says names. Like a count or a duke or something. Yeah. Count yeah. von Dukin. <laughs> he was in the he's in the alcohol business. So he was distilling moonshine in Connecticut. So his family had been in moonshine for since prohibition. Right. And uh, we met through actually through a retailer about five, six years ago. Uh, called Mickey Blake's. Lou mm. Rodriguez introduced us. He was just like, You guys gotta know each right. other. So we became friends over a couple of years, and uh, he had taken a trip over to High Clare Castle with his wife, just to tour it. Uh, like the, yeah, yeah just I, to I know it from the take show. a trip. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. they ended up meeting and befriending Lord and Lady Carnarvon that live in the castle. Just went into her bedroom, said, "Hey, they what's were up? on the. You know, they're very active. The, ca- <laughs> yeah. the castle's very active to visitors, oh, okay. and they're shooting. A lot oh, of nice. times, they're doing private events, but they have." Have it open to the public. It's a five thousand acre estate. It's just awesome. absolutely gorgeous. Um, it's one and, of those places that you just can't believe. That at, at at one point, like just one family lived here. Right. Like yeah, it, it was like it's it was almost it's almost ridiculous. And there's not many active castles anymore right. because of how much right. they cost to maintain. Yep. And um, so they became friends. And then Adam came up with the idea: Why don't we develop a gin, High Clare Castle gin? Hmm. So that has been in development for the past four years. Um, they were doing it right. You know, they were raising the capital necessary. They hired an exceptional team, you know, of people that have been in the business. You right. know, I don't know the alcohol business, but it, I know it's on a whole different, you know, so different than what we're involved in here in the, in the cigar business um, at a much different scale. Right. So um, it, through one of their conversations, they were spending some time uh, talking about the project, and somehow cigars came up. Right. And my buddy Adam said to Lord Carnarvon, you got to meet Nick. He lives in Nicaragua. He is passionate about cigars, just started his own company. You know, wouldn't it be cool if we did something? Scheduling didn't kind of work out. Right. Lord Carnarvon ends up flying down to Nicaragua with Adam. Wow. And I gave him the whole tour. Because, you know, the cigar smoking goes back 200 years mm-hmm. at the castle. That's what you did after dinner. You, you enjoyed a cigar. So we ended up really hitting it off, man. This, you know, you would expect, or I had some sort of 
expectation right. in my mind there would be a little bit of a high brownness right. or a uh, I gotta give you know, a tour some, to this fancy guy yeah, he doesn't how much does he care at this yeah. point in my life I'm not about that right. stuff money doesn't impress me you know flashy things don't impress me it's about do I want to spend time with you do you have a, a character that is going to help make me a better person exactly this gentleman is a guy at 18 that Greyhound bust around the United States of America when he really? was 18 so Wow. Just a down-to-earth, amazing sense of humor. Of course, history. You know, I start picking his brain, and we just totally hit it off and then ended up developing. I developed High Clear Castle uh, blend for him, and we just started, man. We, we just... Can you tell us a little? Because there's a little story yeah. about how you actually like developed the blend, like something like you went into the archives and and stuff like that. So yeah, so I was able to access. Um, you know, the the castle has an archivist, uh, amazing history. It's a it's like a museum, the castle. So I was able to access a lot of the old cigar receipts from his great grandfather, who discovered wow. King Tut's tomb with Howard Carter. Oh wow! Um, which was another. That's the real reason why I did the project. Don't tell anybody <laughs> else. No, I'm kidding. That was definitely uh, so one how of how's King Todd doing these days? Let me did tell you. Did you get to go there yet? I, I didn't get to go to Cairo to see it, but they have a full replica of the tomb. In We store the cigars in the wine cellar mm-hmm. next to the wine cellar. Oh, wow. In the basement. That's awesome. That's awesome. I was there in September. Just crazy stuff. Wasn't just, it like a like a whole thing? Like wasn't there like bad luck to the people who found that's what it? They say. Wasn't there like a thing? So Lord Carnarvon, that was that's his great grandfather. So um, he ended up passing away about eight months, I think, after the discovery. Ah. They had been working on that for sixteen years. Yeah. Wow. So his great grandfather was actually one of the first like race car drivers. He was one of the, some of the first race cars. Wow. He was in a bunch of accidents. His doctor says you have to spend winter in warmer climates. He ends up becoming an amateur archaeologist, befriends Howard Carter, who is convinced that there's still a tomb left in the Valley of the Kings. Because it had been, uh, I I don't know if Greg really, because I don't know if you know, but like, it was very hard to like. No, I'm not trying no, to. Yeah, I, yeah. No, you could just. Yeah, yeah. You could have just told me. I've okay. been okay with it. <laughs> well, because I'm not going to tell no, you. I, no, I know. I, I know, but some people don't know who are listening. I like so it. I he was just, being nice. I just, no, being I, nice. I, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll take care. You probably don't know, but um, uh, let me drop the knowledge. It's just it, it was it's it was hard to find a lot of um, antiques or or full tombs of anything in Egypt, just because. For literally thousands of years, dating back to when these tombs and the pyramids were built, they were being ransacked mm. by Rome, right. by the French under Napoleon. So, by you know, in the nineteen early nineteenth twentieth uh, century, it wasn't like a lot left to like really kind of put together. Like you know, what who like these people were? There were some hieroglyphs hieroglyphics on the wall, but there wasn't full intact tombs to like see. Like, oh, how, what was the whole burial process like? Because they were they were being robbed for thousands of years. So when they found King Tut's tomb, like, hidden, and it was intact, like, yeah. everything was there, it was a huge deal and really gave a lot of insight to archaeologists and historians about, first of all, who King Tut was, burial practices. It was, it was a big insight into Egyptology. Yeah, it's probably one of the most important finds right. in yeah. known 
kind of and he wasn't even so, like, yeah known I want to say he wasn't even that important of a pharaoh he was only I want, he was young when he died he was only in charge for like a little bit and I, th- I think he had like a limp and he had like because they were all yeah they're still kind of discovering yeah. uh, what's what's going on yeah. yeah there was a it's lot all of the aliens yeah. yeah a lot of aliens <laughs> a lot of aliens Dude, going on I listen I don't oh, believe that it was aliens but I do know that modern day like engineers and everything are still like kind of like this would take us like thirty years to build these. Like how the, those stones were cut perfectly. Each stone that builds the pyramid, and there's like thirty thousand stones. Each stone was like three or four tons. Yeah, thirteen and acre. Were, yeah, and it 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 mimics within the dimensions of the pyramid the radius circumference of the Earth. You know this idea that people thought the Earth was flat in fourteen ninety two. Like this was known to the ancients for like a long time. Yeah. You guys wow. are going to... I could go on <laughs> get, this. Get, for, go, go, go. You know, especially the Sphinx, right? The right. Sphinx archaeologists have dated it back. You know, we're looking at 3000 BC, which is incredible in itself. But I've read a lot from... Um, uh, not archaeologists, but uh, gentlemen who study rocks. What do they, they call I, those? I was just reading about this. Yeah. This guy was on Joe Rogan not too yes. long ago. Yes, yes. And he was talking about how... Joe uh, Rogan's to start giving us money. Joe He's Rogan's just, I, 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 I plug. And I, I, I see that you Joe. follow him, too. I, pl- oh, I, I plug Joe, Joe Rogan a lot. I love Joe. He, but this guy said like, something with, like, uh, how like how worn down the Sphinx was. It yeah. wasn't because of, like, the... Uh, it, was, it had to be, like, a big rain, and, like, there wasn't a big rain, like, yeah. before... This guy just yeah. studied rocks. So he, yeah. he went to the site, not as an archaeologist, um... But as I can't believe I forgot the name like of the geologist? geologist. So he's looking at it purely through the lens of a geologist. And within, he said, 10 minutes of looking at it, he said, that's not sand and wind erosion. That is extreme water erosion. So in order to get that type of erosion, you'd have to go back to 10,000, the end of the last ice age, that that would date. So that would totally change, you know, right. a lot of these sites just would totally change how we view, you know, history, because uh, before 5,000, you know, 3,000, 5,000 BC, Mesopotamia, we're hunter gatherers. That's the, so hunter gatherers for almost 200,000 years. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal that they were able to to create something like there's, there's no evidence of anything before that being created. Because when you look at early Mesopotamia or even around like the Epic of Gilgamesh times, like there was nothing like no big structures, really, Egypt kind of started that, which is why the pyramids are the oldest thing that's on the list of, like, the ancient wonders of the world. The only one that's left are the pyramids. And then the, the Masons got involved and the Knights Templar. Oh, God. He's and, then, <laughs> and that's when the aliens, and that's why Russia is trying to read your phone, man. Well, well just back to the thing with the aliens. You know, I don't, I don't know about oh, any of that stuff. This goes back to the Russians, right? I got, I got to see evidence and things in order to, to so I don't get too far in the, the whole alien thing. But to me, think about perspective. You know, we look at the world in a whole different perspective. Right. And when I'm looking at these, these, you know, King Tut's, and this is a high culture at 3000 BC, even the, the, their perspective on the world was so different. Right. You know what I mean? Just looking at things differently, our understanding of matter and time, it could have been that these people, uh, you know, were actually far more advanced and they, yeah, exactly. had a whole nother consciousness, you know, of how things worked. It's, and it's one of the biggest, I, I, it's, it's weird that like, this is one of the things that really upsets me about history is that the library of Alexandria like, was, it was a, this library in Egypt that had like dating back to even before Egypt had all these scrolls, all the famous philosophers and everyone, all their, it was the, like the library of Congress, but for the entire ancient world over thousands of years, 
And then it, I think it was in the ADs, like, you know, 10 AD, the Romans, like, burned it to the ground. Yeah. And that was, so all that was lost. So, like, all these things that we could have known. Uh, it's it's in the bottom of the Vatican now. Oh, is it? Uh, well, um, probably anything that was... Uh, there's so actually... Was that National Treasure? No, it was... Uh, oh, that's awesome. Da Vinci Code 2. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, Angels and Demons. So I'll, I'll give you a little... A little uh, we'll have to do this when you come to New Haven. People don't realize New Haven, excuse me, is home to Yale University. Yeah. Yale University houses what they call the Beinecke Library. The Beinecke Library is the largest and oldest rare book manuscript library of the Western Hemisphere. Wow. It has two Gutenberg Bibles, the Vonk manuscripts. There's like, it's insane. If you ever, if you ever it come, has two it's, Gutenberg Bibles. It's incredible what they have Dude, there. Those, those are I like mean, they have priceless. some of the like you can't. Yeah. If you stole them, you couldn't even sell them because like there's no. It's like stealing the Mona Lisa. Like there's no price for it. The, the technology, it. you know, it, it if it sucks out all the oxygen. If there's right. ever a fire and it has all this crazy. Yeah, that's exactly uh, like what the in yeah. Angels and Demons with the Vatican yeah. had. That's it sucks that's out all exactly the oxygen. That's exactly what it is. Yep. Yeah. So going yeah. into Connecticut now. Yep. Because um, the Charter Oak also has a really cool, and I, this is the one out of all your cigar lines where I always kind of screw up the backstory. It's something like the British came and so they hid the papers. Yeah. So the, at one point before the revolution, the one of the 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 kings of England was giving Connecticut more rights mm. than they had in the past. Right. right. So they were giving them more and more freedoms. That king died. The new king came and said, wait a no, second. No, no, no. Right. So he tried to get this, this charter back. It was hidden in a famous oak tree um, in Connecticut, which unfortunately blew down uh, late 1800s in a hurricane. Oh. But all the state capital chairs are made out of that original oak tree. That's so cool. So it was said it was really prized by the, uh, the Mohawks that were living there before the colonists. It was a sacred tree. So they ended up hiding the charter in in that tree, which protected them from, you know, losing a lot of their rights at the time. And then you that was sort of the onset to right. the revolution. You know what you need to do? What's think, that? think of this idea. You gotta get some of this sacred wood and you gotta make a limited edition humidor with the wood. That. And I'm then like the Capitol building. A super, a super like limited charter oak broadleaf, obviously. Uh, and it's like the whole humidor, and it's like fifteen thousand dollars. I like it. And me and Greg will split it. We'll buy it. And we'll yeah. split it. Sure. Well, like you don't have to make your, 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 your new house. I'm, I'm gonna get the lid. I'll get the bottom. Yeah. Well, you're, you're listen. <laughs> you're building a new house. It doesn't have to be that big. Get out a couple. You know, turn, turn, get one of the oh, floors yeah. gone. Well, make it a one. So they get a, a ranch. Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah. How's yeah. that going? Um, I gotta sell mine. I just got the letter uh, okay. of the changes they needed done. <laughs> The yeah. stress level is through the roof. Let me tell you. It's terrible. It's selling it's a house and it's buying a house awful. is an insane process. Yeah. Well, you that's, should... that's why I'm building one, because nice. I'm tired of going. Yeah. I bought a rehab. didn't go well. Right. So You should have Nick help you build it, because he knows all about barn doors. He can get yeah. you the, the best barn doors. I love barn doors. That's I love them. Where we have a barn door. In the, uh, a sliding in the barn door? Yes. I love the sliding oh, barn so door. He's so excited. Oh, okay. yeah. He's so he excited. I get really excited excited about <laughs> barn doors, it. Barn doors. This is the, getting weird. The river, the Connecticut uh, River. There was an eagle that flew by. Remember, you got really oh, excited that's about our the... friendly hawk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that, oh, that's, that's Jake. That's Jake, the hawk. <laughs> yeah, he hangs out a lot. I got some crazy <laughs> pictures of him. 
Did Seriously. Like, I can imagine Nick like in his morning his coffee just puts his arm out. Jake the hawk flies. He, would. he, like, he almost coffee. did. I'm telling you, I, I got crazy pictures of that. Do you hawk. feed him? Do you feed him like dead rats or something? He because when they turn up the field, that all of the mice and stuff, so that's when they the hawks uh, fly around and they feed. So. so tell us a little bit about your field that, that you own. Yes. So I actually don't <laughs> own it. Oh, you don't own it? No, no. Who owns it? Um, the government. The government the owns it. Actually, one of the oldest tobacco farmers in Connecticut owns it. Okay. The family name is Thrall. Um, Thrall was one of the first um, tobacco growers. They go back to, I believe, the late 16, 1600s, early 1700s in wow. Connecticut. Yeah, they started growing... You know, well, t- of course, tobacco was being grown by Mohawks, Quinnipiac tribes, um, Mohegans. So um, all, the ca- all the casinos were into the, in the tobacco business. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Connecticut River, again, they were trading. That's when one of the first Dutch explorers, they call him Adrian Block. You know Block Island? No. Block Island's in the Long Island Sound. It's more towards the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. It was named after a gentleman called Adrian Block, uh, who traveled up the Connecticut River. And, of course, they saw tobacco being traded. Um, and then they settled, I believe, Windsor in 1630s. And they really started growing tobacco around that time. Um, you know, in this area of Connecticut, you have 30,000 acres uh, of just perfect soil, which mm. is interesting because the Northeast is known for its rocky stone right. walls. And so Connecticut, I, was, I, I say this a lot if you haven't heard it before, <laughs> but Connecticut means alongside the tidal river, uh, the Great River. Mm. So it means that in um, the Mohawk and also Quinnipiac, I don't know if you ever heard that Oh, term. I, I know Quinnipiac University. So. That's where I went to school. Oh, okay. But means the same as Connecticut. All alongside, right. so this river used to be a lake at the end of the last ice age. Okay, oh. it was called Lake Hitchcock. So it went all the way through Vermont, um, New Hampshire, because uh, the river is four hundred and six miles long. It's a so huge when lake. It, when it filed down, well, remember you had yeah. this huge mile high ice sheet. Right. This is where I think a lot of things get lost in our history. I'm already history. lost, so go on. Yeah, no, I mean, in history. <laughs> right. it, we're looking at 15,000, 10,000 years ago. A lot of things happened at this time. Um, when this river, when this lake started to recede to the Connecticut River, right, mm. it started acting like a funnel. So it started emptying into the Long Island Sound, right? When it came through the north of Hartford, it acted as a funnel for all of this sandy loom at the base mm. of the river funneled through this area of 30,000 acres. We call it Windsor soil, um, the north wow. of Harford. So this is this 30,000 acre, this sandy loom is what makes the cigar tobacco so good. So what happens is, is you have this amount of sandy loom, then the clay on the bottom is, say, this big. So what happens is it acts as a filter for water. So oh, wow. water can go deep. Mm-hmm. So what is the the roots want to find water? So they go deep before it locks into the clay. Whereas if you had this much clay and then this much sandy loom, all the water would build up. You'd never have a strong root structure. Right. You'd never get really nice, thick, healthy tobacco. So I'm going to have to check my backyard. That's, you might have some sandy loom. That, that's, right. that's where it started. You it's, know, and, it, it's so weird, especially when you're talking to not even just new cigar smokers, but even, you know, like my dad asked me, I'm like, oh, I'm going to Connecticut for work. He's like, why? And I'm like, there's a lot of tobacco farms in Connecticut. He's like, really? Yeah. It's, it's like, it, it is, I, I want to say, and this might be personal opinion because of my love for Broadleaf, but it is the center of like cigar wrapper, I think, in the world. 
and it's an hour and a half from here, yeah. you know. That's where we have our office. Right, yeah, right outside of New York City. It was know? one of the coolest things when I, you know, growing up in Connecticut, I went to school in Connecticut. I just wanted to leave Connecticut. You know, right. when you're young, you're like, yeah, I want to get out of here and experience the world. Yep. So like a Bruce Springsteen song. <laughs> I traveled around the world and I find myself in Nicaragua. It's the first time where I really understood how cool Connecticut is. Right. Because I'm amongst all these Cuban guys that I admired, all these Nicaraguans that, you know, I admire in the tobacco world. And when you say, de donde eres, where are you from? Connecticut. They know Connecticut. They right. knew Connecticut. So I was able to kind of feel good. It was like, wow. Yeah. Connecticut. It's almost like it was meant to be for you. Because it was like, like, kind of. I yeah, feel like if Nick Melilla yeah. was born in Nebraska, he might have turned weird. out differently. Yeah. It He'd wouldn't be more about true. the corn yeah. than the uh, tobacco. Yeah. He'd be telling us about uh, the corn. Like, it's a sweet corn you get. Making uh, whiskey or vodka. Yeah. Vodka actually, corn, yeah. Right? I could see you as like a, like a, like a whiskey distiller and doing I doing the whiskey. same shtick. Yeah. I love, I love bourbon. I'm a bourbon guy, too. Yeah. And yeah, my name guy. is Nick. So, Nicaragua worked out, too. So that's that's, all, that's his Instagram name, Nick Aragua. That they wanted when I was developing my persona when I first started here. Uh, Anthony and our one of our photographers, Kevin, they were going through like possible names. We settled on Cigar Architect, but they also had Nicaragua. But you had already taken that, and then they wanted me to be Nicotine, <laughs> and I said, "No, I'm not going to be Nicotine." No, 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 no. <laughs> no. That's kind of yeah. It's that's not fun, great. But it's not great. But yeah. the Cigar Architect is what we 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 settled on. I like it. I like it. It's not bad. Oh, you're so happy. You're so happy that you got him doing it. I need Anthony. There you go. Anthony. What are you doing? Now, you are, in my mind, one of the best, I guess manufacturers, but there's a better name for it, but craftsmen when it comes to broadleaf tobacco. But what really surprised me, and that's why I really want, Greg is finding out, you know, he... You know his different kind of taste profiles. He does like a darker cigar, but he's recently been leaning more towards Mexican San Andres. So it. that's why I really want him to try the wise, the wise man Maduro. Maduro. My bad. Really? Yeah. That has the. Oh, you I haven't. No, I haven't. So you gave it to me at um, IPCPR this year, and I've been kind of saving it. Smoke the torpedo. Okay. Churchill is a sleeper. Okay. Robusto is awesome. Corona's got a little bit more of a kick to it. Okay. Um, yeah, what size? Oh, the Toro Waco. The Toro I make yeah. is a bigger ring gauge, it's a 56 ring gauge. Mm. Um, so if you like a bigger ring gauge, that's got a lot of, got a lot of power to it. It but. is without a doubt. And I, and I don't say this ever. It is without a doubt. One of my top five favorite cigars of all time. The oh, wise, I didn't know the wise that. Man Maduro yep. is, Come on. Is, now he's blowing smoke. No, no he's not. Now no. he's just, no, I, he's I talk not. about Come it. On. It's it's in so many. Uh, I don't I don't I don't put that cigar in like when I do you know oh top five cigars to have with whiskey. That's always saved for like top five like Maduros, top five yeah. Nicaraguan cigars. Like it is absolutely one of my favorites, which is surprising because everything else I smoke, I generally like a parejo. I like a rounded parejo. Yeah. I like a you know, and I like a broadleaf wrapper. That's so much of everything else I smoke. And this is a Mexican San Andreas, and it's a box press. And it just it just that fits, soft man. box press, that yeah. soft box press. You know that San Andreas too. It's really, it's it's a really tasty, tasty wrapper. And um, you know, it's like with with anything. We talk about this, you know, aging and fermentation, and time really is the key, right? It's it's how do you preserve the oils, the body of the leaf, without 
taking it too far. So I always say it's like, you know, opening up a can of pasta sauce, putting it on the stove. Yep. Okay, that's one way. Gross. Or you can go, you know, my grandmother, gr- fresh ingredients, but then your temperature. You're doing low right. simmer, eight hours at right. low heat. Because what happens? Once you start turning up the temperature, you start losing right. a lot of the goodness. It starts evaporating into the elements. So that's what happens a lot of times. Some guys say, oh, it's young. or de-. A lot of times the problem is over-fermentation, right? Mm-hmm. You've taken it kind of too far where you've taken... And I've had cigars like that. Yeah. One, of the, one of those cigars that I've always wanted to try when I worked in the, in the store was the, uh, the Partagas 150. Because mm. it was, first, it was literally $150. It was, they came in a coffin, and it was the tobacco they used in it. It was, like, destroyed in a hurry. It used to be, like, a $10 cigar, like, when it first came out. And then, like, the tobacco got destroyed, so they never made any more. And so it was very high-end. And then we went to a, a dinner with General one night at the trade show, and they gave me one. And I could tell... This was, you know, this was two years ago. The cigar was rolled in, like, I want to say the early 90s. Yeah. I could tell when this thing came out, it was top. Yeah. Just, like, super The original top. 150s are unbelievable. Yeah. But at this point, it was good. The quality was good. It burned really well. But it was way... It was, it was too smooth in that there was not... Yeah. There was nothing crazy going on. it keeps breaking down, man. Yeah. It, it keeps like, breaking you know, down. It, that's why you can... And I always say this. You can age... Like a smooth, very mellow, like Connecticut wrap cigar. That's just you know, just basically like you know, a little creamy and everything. You can age that for twenty years, and you'll get a similar experience. You know, it'll, it'll even get smoother. But when it's anything ha- or supposed to have any kind of body to it, I I say the shelf life for aging a cigar with body to it is like five six years. That that's my personal. But I would I would. I'm love around to know what that. You think. I'm around that five year mark. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you take cigars that have heavier, you know, visos, ligeros, those are going to age out so much better. Because there's so much body left and oil and leaf, cellular structure, right. the leaf left. So that's going to age, I, in my opinion, much nicer. Mm. Whereas if you have a cigar that has lighter Seikos or, you know, lighter tobacco blend, it's it's not going to age out. Quite. Right. It could go past its its point there much quicker than... So, like, so I, I've seen a, a good portion, a little bit of your collection when I was up there. Of like, actually, oh, some yeah. of your, some of your... Jew- oh, dude, he's got... Oh, I'm sure. Like, first edition, like, rolled off the table Liga Bravadas from, like, 2000. Yeah, to six, like, just, yeah. yeah like They're, like, 05. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. yeah. My personal humidor, I got Opus X from 96. Oh, yeah. Wow. I got some... Uh, dude, he puts Buddha. me to shame. And, like, I oh. think I have a pretty solid collection. I, he puts me to shame. I get all shame. the original, like, ferals, flyings, oh. like... So what would you... If you, if you were actually planning on yeah. smoking it, what would be... Like, how long would you age, like, a Liga 9? Just for example, like like one that you. How long would I age it before I smoked it? Yeah, like 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 what would be like? All right, if I don't smoke this in the next year, it's like not. Nah, I, I, like what's that pinnacle? Like this is it's going to be the best right now. I I would put it in between that three and five five year mark. I, this is what I tell some guys. Some again, this this term like oh it's young kind of is is thrown. Uh yeah not no I mean all of the stuff that I'm putting out like all the tobacco is three years aged right. before it's. You know, so it's ready to smoke. Right. But depending on the blend, so like a tabernacle, I would put three, they're just going to keep getting better right. between that two to three, uh, two to three, then five. Five is where I kind of put them. After, right. after five, I, you start kind of losing exactly. some of them. But it also depends on your storage, too. If I'm going to age stuff longer, 
you kind of want them to be at a lower humidity. Maybe like 65%? 66, 60, 60, yeah, yeah, because that moisture is what's triggering the fermentation process. Right. So if you have more moisture in there, you're going to get, that tobacco is going to continue working right. itself, whereas if it's at 65, 66, it's going to sort of keep like a, it like at a, a neutral. Yeah, like a, like a, like a crockpot. Yeah. Like a simmer. Exactly. Now, yeah. I guess my, my next question to you is because, you know, I have, ever since IPCPR, my stock has grown. Risen, you yeah. Know, yeah. And my wife's like, what, like, what are you going to do what with all these doing? things? Like, I'm like, doing? you don't have time for this. <laughs> and being that I don't have much time for this, how do you, de- like, decide that day you're going to smoke, like, that Opus X? Like, what... Like, does it just, yeah, when's, when's the day? When's the day? You know I love I mean? to hear, like, people's different opinions, because you get guys that are, like, saving it, and then other guys are like, just, they're there to smoke. Just smoke them, and, and I don't know, man. It depends on the, the moment. You know, usually it's, um, you know, holiday time or something with the family. You know, I pull out, like, a special, a special smoke. Okay. Usually on special occasions, I'll, I'll bust out a, um, I don't know about those Opus, because I only have, like, Two, okay. and the those, wrappers yeah. need a little help. So those um, are those are tough, man. Yeah, those at that that time, ninety six. I mean, they were just out of this freaking world. I mean, you got to uh, imagine how like Opus is seen now. But you, they also have we, some heavy competition now. They have like serious Padrone guys like you know Foundation, like like serious competition in terms of like that craft, like limited release in ninety six. It was two just per customer. Them. It, yeah, two it, per customer. That's the only you could the, buy is two the, per customer. The Casa de Monte Cristo retail store is still limited two per customer. It's still limited. Really? Uh huh. Wow. They limit the regular ones for some reason when they get like any of the like the blue or the, the purple yeah. special editions. Yeah, I those had a lot of those. Neither have I. And yeah. I and I'm kind of uh, not like mad at them, but I've said this on a few podcasts. I kind of want Carlito to like come out with another like kind of everyday banger, huh? Like a, like a, a another Hemingway or like. Yeah. Because like the A five eight, like these are great smokes that are. But every year it's another like fifty dollar. I'm like, listen, man, I love the Opus; they're awesome. But right. like, what a made me fall in love? Price yeah, back to yeah, the yeah, common yeah, yeah. common man, which yeah. goes to the point of your Charter Oak, yeah. which I got to have what like a month ago. Mm-hmm. Right. Which one did you have? You had the Maduro. Yeah, good. And uh, I took a picture and I texted him. I remember I was like, wow, this is this is ridiculous. And he told yeah. me how much it was. I was like, I don't know how you were able to pull that <laughs> off, sir. You know, um, I, I worked with Abdel Fernandez. I mean, he really he really helped make that possible um, and opened up, you know, his vaults to some really good tobacco. So you have Seiko tobacco, some of the lower priming stuff. Mm-hmm. You always have more with the crop. Right, because the Seiko, the bottom primings right. yield more, so that's how you're able. That on the market, that's going to be less inexpensive. Whereas Vizos, Ligeros, everybody's trying to get their hands exactly. on those. Those are more expensive. Um, so I take a trim on the on the price on the margin on that also because I wanted to be able to. People don't realize how many brands from Connecticut existed up into the late '90s. Um, Chris Topper, who's a friend of mine, does Topper cigars out of Connecticut. He's been doing it forever. He's one of the only ones left besides, I mean, I just, I just started compared to his family. Yeah. But um, there was tons of brands, uh, FD Grave, Topstone, um, and they all kind of faded at the end of the 90s. So I wanted to develop that. Connecticut cigar was always a great smoke for a great price. That's what all my grandfather smoked. It's all those Canadians. So that Charter Oak is a homage to 
those brands mm-hmm. and it also fills you know the gap in our portfolio i wanted to develop a portfolio from blends to price points that you have something for you know right something for everybody when they walk through that door right if you just had foundation there in the humidor you sh- you sh- everybody that wants everybody likes something different you're going to find something in that wheelhouse. Charter Oak was that, you know, let me develop something that's more of your everyday lawn right. cutting. But the cigars came out, you know, oh, phenomenal. Man. Yeah. And that's what I noticed that, like, those move super quick. Yeah. Because they're the quality and the taste of every other foundation in terms of, like, very high-end, very flavorful. But at, what are they, like, five, six bucks? Between the, yeah, the five yeah. to six, seven, they, depending they on your slide. Yeah. Well, and that's where it comes back to, like, we talk about you smoking at Opus X. You, your, your portfolio has that situation where you have the cigars for the holiday and the, the celebration. And you High Clare's are Rolls Royce. Right. You have Charter Oak for your everyday, and then you have your everything I, mean, I love the High Clear, but if, if High Clear is Rolls Royce, then the Wise Man Maduro is like the Bugatti. <laughs> like, it just, it's... But going back to something interesting, yeah. you, you just said we're talking more talking about you know all, all your cigars are aged you know three years ready they're, they're ready to smoke. This is something I have I've talked about in a few like my Q and A sessions where like there's some cigars you know people always oh how long should I age a cigar and I'm like it depends upon the cigar. I always think it depends upon the cigar. I think a Padron 26 that baby's ready now. That thing's been aged like six years already. Like it's red. But quickly going back to Opus, I don't mean to talk about other brands, but. I always so felt good. like they were like they were almost made to like yeah you could smoke them right out the box and get that super, but I feel like they were almost made to sit for a year because huh. they're super powerful coming out of the box super spicy super yeah. oily yeah and it's almost like if you want the best experience with this cigar like give it at least a year because to me a, a, and I've said this before a year old Opus there's like nothing like it you know Do I you haven't kinda... sm- I haven't smoked um I can't speak to it because a lot of people ask me sometimes of different. You know, brands. I haven't smoked enough. I think the last time I had an Opus was probably like a couple years ago. And well, it was I meant the more like X, in, yeah, yeah. I meant more like in general. Like, like do you find like there's certain brands that like, yeah, or, or I, even when you're working on your own brands, like this is something that, like this is definitely like it's going to be the best out the box. Like this one's really good, but like in a year, this is going to be even a more. Or do you try to make all your brands like? I try to make everything right. ready to go. Like when you're you're. It's coming out of the box. Right. So when it's a, you know, I'm aging them there in Nicaragua in the, in the aging rooms and then the tobacco's all three years, you know, three years plus. So, but at the same time, they do get better. Yeah. I always tell guys, listen, smoke one now, smoke one in three months, smoke one in six right. months, see how, you know, they progress for you and see which, right. what you like better. Yeah. But if you have heavier, spicier tobaccos and it's too much, then if you do let them sit, they're going to end up, they right. should marry and round out with mm. with more time. And but some guys like that. Yeah. Some guys want that. Right. Well, yeah, but that's, that's something well, I, when, when I talk to you about it, like anytime there's like a new cigar, like try to get like four or five and like smoke right. one right away, let one sit six months, and then you can kind of, even if it doesn't get better, but you'll be able to see that distinction in, in the flavor and how it tastes and how, like, how that particular blend progressed. Well, and I also think part of the market too in the society that we live in everybody wants to have it now if they're going to buy it right now they want to smoke it right now like yeah. that seems like everything we're dealing with so i think yeah. that's another good reason why yeah. you know you guys let it you know kind of i feel like customers are like that but i was actually just thinking about that i feel like manufacturers not just in cigars but like even in the food industry or in the liquor industry 
they're realizing that with all things, like more patience, like equals a better product. So when you look at all these like YouTube videos of like a guy who owns a steakhouse or uh, when they're making a new bourbon, now it's all about like, oh no, we let this steak dry age for, you know, yeah. 30 months or we let, we let this bourbon sit in this barrel for like an extra year. So I feel like on the manufacturing side, there's a lot more about taking your time and providing a top quality product. But on the consumer side, like, we definitely yeah. want it like right away, which is why it's hard to keep up a lot of times. You have both. I mean, you have, but you know, it depends on what where, oh, yeah. you're, where you're at and what the, the the problem with the time part is. You're waiting so many years before you're turning that back into right. cash. Right. You know what exactly. I mean? And that's what happens sometimes with maybe smaller companies in the industry. Sometimes being a smaller company, it comes across as if it's better sometimes. But if you don't have the access to the leaf and to be able to age the leaf, then you're stuck in a pickle, right? You got to, right. you, you, you're a small company, you got to, so. And that's, that's it, actually leads me to my next question, being that you're, you know, born in Connecticut. And um, I've, I've been talking to, a, I think we even talked a little bit with Steve Saka about this and maybe Travis, we also mentioned it, uh, about like just what's going on with Broadleaf nowadays and how it's becoming so popular, but is that negatively affecting the industry and is it negatively affecting broadleaf cigars? Like, are they kind of rushing it out more? Like, is it harder to get? It's it's harder to get. So the broadleaf. We have another lighter for you. The you broadleaf. Um, here's the story with broadleaf. I mean, in general, broadleaf is difficult, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people. It's one of the more difficult tobaccos to cure, to ferment. It takes a lot of time. You got to know what you're doing with it because it holds a lot of moisture. The mm -hmm. vein structure is is very thick, hard to ferment, right? So you're starting there. Last last year, rainiest uh, summer in Connecticut for mm. in 50 years. The year before that, it was like top five rainiest. A lot of rain. Like I said, too much rain. Not going to make for thick tobacco. Right. It kept raining, right, through the summer into when the tobacco was in the curing barns. Ooh. So the tobacco couldn't cure. So you had a lot of tobacco that was got rotten, got, you know, Ooh. too wet, it was too thin. So what we, what we have is really good, right? Because I'm not buying that stuff. What we have is really good. It's just the quantity is not there, right? Right. So that's going to be kind of limiting the market. And I, I know you might know, like, a lot of the mass market drives yeah. the, the industry there also. But um, it's, you know, it's just you're not going to see as much quantity. So, like, our tabernacles, we were, you know, out for almost two and a half, you know, months. Right. Um, the fermentation piles that I had from two years ago weren't ready. You know, imagine the timing that exactly. we're trying to, it's a, to a time whole up. strategy, right. So I could have, you know, rushed, put it on the cigars. You know, there's a lot of always yeah. pressure with cash flow. Also, the small. I had to make the tough decision. Of course, you know, I'm just, that's just how I am. I can't right. let it by because it would be like, no, I'd and be, I, uh, I think, disgracing my soul exactly. if, I, if I let it go. So we had to say, hey, listen, guys, you know, we're going to be out, sales team, this and that. And it's it's interesting to see how many people don't really understand, you right. know, at the store level. And I, I understand I want to sell, too, but we got to stay committed to the product. I mean, exactly. it's, it's you I've seen too many companies over the years. You know, the I see how it happens, right? The pressure of 
supplying the market and then right. you start taking shortcuts and what you do is you end up shooting yourself in your in you know cutting exactly. your nose off to spite your face and uh you end up causing more trouble for yourself exactly. so but I, I think the serious cigar smokers um and and definitely anyone who knows you like i, I would rather wait the two months to get the ta- yeah. like the way that you want to present it yeah um but Let i can also tell under- you they just started ship they just started shipping again Oh my lord! We gotta get some up there because you've smoked like, the whole box. We need to get more. <laughs> and let me tell you, the double Corona is the sleeper. That's the sleeper. Well, we sell so many double Coronas. I'm looking at the numbers because mm-hmm. usually Toro Robusto. Those are always the ones. Okay, I'm. Li- we sell just as much double Coronas in the Tabernacle. What's the size on that? Seven by Se- uh, seven by uh, fifty two. It's a good size, actually. Yeah. That's a good no, size. I'm sorry, fifty four, fifty four. Yeah, it's a thicker size, but I'll, yeah. I'll smoke it. Well, we we we've me and Greg have just kind of zeroed in on like our perfect size, and we're around like a, like a six by forty nine is kind of where we're where six we're by fifty two is like my standard. Yeah. That's what I blend all my stuff in. Uh, that's how I've always done it mm-hmm. since like oh three. So, so um, do you, do you find that like you have a favorite size of each cigar? Like like listen, I, I love all my cigars, but the robusto and the Wawense is the best, but the Lancero and the Havana Seed is like that's some t- the, yeah yeah so yeah certain ones like like this in the Churchill. Mm-hmm. Incredible. It's weird. The Churchill's in the Wise Man's for some reason. Unbelievable. And the High Claire, too. I go in and so, out. Like, I'll smoke through boxes. <laughs> I smoke through boxes, like, because I'm always, this is why I don't try a lot of different people's stuff, right. because I'm just such a, a mental lunatic. Well, because you, you want to make sure that, like, uh, like you know, if I could check every yeah. cigar, if yeah. I could check every cigar before I got, because I'm a cigar smoker. I could smoker. smoke every cigar before I got to the customer, I would yeah, do it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> try that and that, that. No, but I'm a cigar smoker, so, and, and you know, I, I spend my life doing this, so the last thing I want is to ha- have somebody have a negative experience or not right. be able to draw or not be able to get the fullness of the blend, so I'm always checking... You know the because you're an I feel like you're an artist first, and then the business is like, oh, if I can make money doing this, that's great. But like, I I want to make sure that they're getting what I intend for them to, to totally, get. totally. That's understandable. Totally, that's deep, man. Totally, it's deep. It's deep cuts, and right that there. takes a lot. So I'll go through. You know, last week I was on the Tabernacle 142 Lanceros. I smoked through the box. Before <laughs> that, I had uh, the the Broadleaf Tabernacle Double Coronas. Blowing through them. Blowing through them because, so you know, when you see the process of making cigars, right? So the leaf is going like this, right? Mm. So it comes to the tip at the point. So other sizes, you have to break and distribute that tobacco. With the double Corona, you're not getting that break because the leaf is running the whole length length of it. Mm. So you get a really unprecedented consistency That's, of the blend of That's really cool. through the whole thing. So you smoke those things and you're literally, you know, seven fit all the way down to the band and beyond. And they're just like, that's great, man. I, I, I mean, we got to try those. Awesome. Gotta get yeah. If you have well, the time, I had a long drive, you know, a couple yeah. of weeks ago. It was perfect for, we'll, we'll have a, for a long we'll do a drive. review of them. We'll set there, them up yeah. there. There you go. Um, I have one more question that I actually um, have some questions that I, uh, from Instagram, I, I posted that oh, people yeah. asking. But um, I think one of the hardest questions I get, and it sounds like a simple question, but in terms of me trying to decipher it. So I, I know what Maduro means, and I know it means ripe, and I kind of know a little bit about the process. But, for example, when, we, when I interviewed you at the trade show and we were talking about the new Highclere Castle Victorian, mm. and you were referring to it as a Maduro, but I feel like a lot of people won't. I feel like Maduro's, I, like it has to be super dark. It has to be it's not really that Maduro, sweetness. Yeah. But I was wondering if you can give us like a more... Like, how do you view the word and the term Maduro? 
so the High Clear Victorian is really a, a Cafe Maduro okay. or a Colorado Maduro, right? Mm-hmm. So Maduro is, for me, more of a reference to color. The, the, the shade. Right. Yeah. It does mean ripe in Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. So the bananas, are, they're ripe. Um, so it's, it, for me, a color classification. So okay. they usually, traditionally, we had, you know, Claro. Mm-hmm. Then you have Colorado. It's kind of in the middle. The reddish kind of hue to it. Yeah, reddish. That's what Colorado kind of means. Then you have Colorado Maduro. Then you have Maduro. Then you have... Oscuro. Oscuro. Extra Oscuro. So, you know, it's basically leaves, any sort of leaves that are in fermentation that have a heavier body to them Mm -hmm. are going to, in fermentation, eventually darken to become a Maduro-style leaf. So... For example, the High Clare Victorian has a Habano Ecuador wrapper, right. which is a wrapper. Another, I've never come out with a project to market with a Habano Ecuador wrapper. This is why this cigar is special to me because I've been a huge fan of Habano Ecuador. Right. I mean, it's just probably one of the most beautiful, um, tasty you know leaves that I've had. The plant in Ecuador, because of the cloud cover, right. I think we've talked about this before. This is why Ecuador has become one of the best growing regions for wrapper is because they don't have to put the shaded tents. It's naturally shaded, right. So that light filters through, so you have less sun exposure. So the plant is growing taller, Mm -hmm. whereas if it was in direct sunlight, you're going to have smaller, stockier. So it's growing taller, and the the leaves are much thinner in texture. But on that plant, if you looked at the Habano Ecuador lower primings, second, third, it's going to look almost like this wow. when it's done. But as you go up the plant, you, the leaves are getting thicker. Mm-hmm. Those become more of the Maduro. So the seventh priming, that's what the, uh, the Victorian is. That's darker. And even you can get up to the eighth, ninth primings. It's even blacker and darker. See, yeah, so, see, I, I, I when I, don't I, know I if I'm answering your no, question. you are because yeah. when I originally started in the and, and I feel like these are even terms that people don't really use anymore. I mean, people will use Clado with it when they have like you know or or, or Candela, but I feel like that in terms of referring to cigars by their shade is kind of going by the wayside, and now it's just more like the specific wrapper type. So yeah, you know, Ecuadorian Habano or Mexican San Andreas or Ecuadorian Connecticut or whatever it is. Um, but I, some people don't refer to it as colored. They think it's uh, they, they used to like, you know, like like EMS, like you know English market. Like the, the, these are terms that like I remember when I first started. But now I think because the information is so readily out there and everyone understands it a little bit more that you don't you can you don't have to just say like oh it's a natural. People actually know like oh Ecuadorian Habano. I know what that means and I know what I can kind of look forward to in this cigar. Right. Um, but I just think that the industry still and, and a lot of the consumers, um, even from newer consumers to people even like myself. Just wanted a clarification on like, so if you say like this is a Maduro cigar, people automatically think like, you know, your typical Nicaragua Maduro or uh, San Andreas yeah. or broadly that's going to be like dark, rich and like have a, like a sweetness to it. But I, I think that we're on the same page of like, no, it can refer to just more of like a darker color. It doesn't necessarily mean that those are the flavors you're going to get. The flavors are more no. based on what kind of wrapper it is, like where it's grown, like what that, the seed is. Yeah, but the fillers determine also yeah. tremendously what that blend is going to be. Like mm-hmm. you can have a lighter, milder Maduro. And then, you know, a lot of times people look at it, they're thinking strong and it's going to yeah. kick my butt. I mean, it all depends on what you're using in the filler tobaccos. See, that mean, was one of my that, cigar myths. Is darker right. does not mean stronger, but it does mean it doesn't fla- body yeah. and flavor. Or, yeah, an earthy, right. you yeah. know, more earthy, especially that broadleaf. You know, you oh. get that broadleaf, it's it's earthy, it's sweet. You know, it has 
just a really nice aromatic uh, aroma to it. But depend what fillers you use with mm-hmm. that will completely you know change. Look at the ones we were smoking that that John sent us from Crown Heads. He had the Tennessee Waltz that drew that. Um, who makes that one? I think the my father makes one. that for him. Okay. And then the coalition that he just did with Drew Estate, they're both broadleafs. And I heard that one was good. The co- they're they're both good. Yeah. The coalition is is good. I with try the, one. the Tennessee Waltz is one of me and Greg's. Thing. Yeah. That's. That was, I think that was I think that behind, behind the tabernacle that was the first cigar where you text me like this thing is a hitter. Right. What what happens is the I'm sorry to cut you off. No, it's okay. Is that that thicker leaf right? Like so like the broadleaf, it's veinier, thicker. Cellular wall is thicker. You can use heavier filler tobaccos, okay. and that helps buffer the strength of the blend. Okay. okay. Whereas if you take my Tabernacle, either of them, and you put like a Connecticut Shade instead of a Broadleaf on there, it's going to be so aggressive because the Connecticut Shade is so thin. Right. You can see through it. Whereas the Broadleaf is thick. It's so that provides more of a buffer to balance out the strength of the fillers, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's in the blend, you know, in the blending process. I'm giving away some of my, my some secrets. of your trade secrets well, here. What uh, were you going to say? I'm sorry. Well, yeah, going back to the whole leaf talk, and tell me if I'm wrong, but is it better to have a thicker leaf for Maduro? Like, do you, is it, be, it? It doesn't. Does it not matter? Like, because you're talking. Yeah, you're talking you have about to have a thicker leaf. That's what becomes the Maduro is the thicker the leaves, thicker leaf. okay. right? Because right. if you if you take thinner leaves. You're only, we say the grasa, the fat of the leaf, the oil from the leaf. So when you get it off of the field, it's gummy. So what you're doing is, is you're curing that down to a point where it's combustible. Okay. Right? The flavor is there so it doesn't taste green. Okay. Okay. So you're curing, if you have a thin leaf and you take it too far in the fermentation process, you literally, the leaf will disintegrate okay. because you've right. broken it down, the cellular walls, so much that when you break it, when you kind of, it just disintegrates right. on you. Gotcha. So you can get, depending on the tobaccos, right? Like broadleaf, some of the lower primings will get darker, right? Okay. But you need that thickness for it to get to Maduro in the fermentation process okay. a lot of the time. I remember asking, and you were there when I asked him if he would ever use a. Uh, no, I asked him on the Charter Oak. Did he use Ecuadorian Connecticut on his instead yeah. of Connecticut Shade? And he looked. That was the look he gave. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, Connecticut Shade in the Valley is dwindled down to maybe 30, 40 acres. Um, and I think actually, some of our friends uh, here, you guys are some of the only ones that are growing it. Yeah, is because um, Ecuador has just taken to the seed. They brought the seed in the late '80s down to Ecuador. And you just had all the right conditions in certain farms that just totally, the seed just totally took. Whereas broadleaf is a different story. Yeah. You know, that, I, that I, can't I was curious, necessarily. Like if, if you brought broadleaf to. It's being experimented with oh. on many places right now, but you just don't have the same. You know, condition. Connecticut shade is different because it's so thin. Right. It's more of a, yeah, it has flavor, but it's more of a neutral style right. flavor because of the leaf is is so thin, whereas broadleaf is a completely different animal. Right, so. and even someone like me, like I'm not a huge Connecticut shade smoker, so it, it's like it's hard for me to determine the difference between an Ecuadorian Connecticut and a Connecticut shade. Like to me, like yeah. th- th- most likely, I wouldn't be able to tell you which one is which one is which. But I feel like you're right. I feel like if you grew, uh, but I can tell you the difference between. Um, Connecticut broadleaf yeah. in Pennsylvania. Like yeah, Jacob's right. Ladder uses Pennsylvania. For me, it's like a lot heavier, a lot smokier. Right. Yeah. 
than so like than a grittier that, yeah. that style. Whereas the Connecticut broadleaf has more of that natural sweetness and so earthiness. Good. Yeah, it's so good. And I know you're a Connecticut guy, but the next episode I want to get onto the uh, Mexican San Andres. Uh, Tobacco. Yeah, or, he's or he's become. He, that, your Menelik is also. Menelik is San Andreas. What's it, yeah. di- real quick? Because yeah. I know we're running out of time. What's the difference between the Menelik and the uh, Elowance? So, um, right. so the so uh, the blend is a stronger blend, and I use um, a mix of Esteli, Condega, and Jalapa in the filler. So you have all three growing mm-hmm. regions in that blend. So it's going to be a little bit more, a uh, little bit more strength, a little bit more potency in the Menelik, um, you know, some of them out in the market, I, I did that as my event only. Right. So in five packs originally. So some of the guys, it, it comes back to our aging discussion, mm-hmm. right? Some of the guys would say, well, it's much lighter than, you know, the one, this one is a lot stronger than the one that came out. The packs that I had are almost two years, right. a year and a half aging. So that ages out. It sort of mellows out and becomes more rounder. Exactly. But again, some guys love it. When they're first coming out in the box, I I brought him a box. So make sure he uh, oh, make I've sure had, he. We we already did a yeah. review. And oh, we you have did. A box and, oh, nice. Uh, but, you know, oh, good. Yeah. I'm gonna take this box then. Just be yeah, on. right. <laughs> I, I I've smoked plenty. Yeah. You, so far. You like Look at his face. Look at like his face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. That reminds That's me. That's why of I'm like, excited about the um the Maduro. Yeah. Because if as you're as you're explaining it, I could see what you're talking about. The 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 stronger that that scar is. So if it's you would say the Eloense is not as strong? It's going to be more medium. Okay. Medium, yeah, so medium. I would say the medium, maybe medium full, yeah. but it's not It's not crazy on okay. strength, but it's just uh, what gets me. Country. This is the last thing I'll say. What gets me on when I see the ash of the of the Wise Man Maduro, you know, I'll get an ash like that, and it's like you see like the little spills, little dots in it, and it's just so tight. That's the like, tooth. Uh, the tooth. The tooth. Dudes. Go for those. You want to go for the wrappers that have those little tooth. You yep. see the tooth on yep. the rabbit. Mm-hmm. It's more Mexican. You can see it on the broad leaf. Cameroon used to have it back Cameroon, in the that, day. That's that how toothy, I would always describe ca- those, like those old Cameroon wrappers. Those are flavor pockets. Okay. That's what I call them. Flavor pockets. Flavor pockets. I only have to try mine at home ASAP. So, I always go for those. If you yeah. ever see the, the ones, the, you know, the, the wrappers that are a little bit more rustic looking, but mm. they're oily, they got mm-hmm. that, that I, you always go for that one. They might be a little bit veinier, right? but... It's like the 175th, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the new Upman. Uh, AJ made that. Yep. And he, you work with AJ, right? I do. I do. He's a... Uh, he's brilliant. He's Let really me tell you, we get, we, we're like, I love that man because yeah. he's just so passionate about tobacco and it's anything but a gimmick with this guy. Like he lives and breathes it and we get around each other and it's just, it's insanity. It's so weird to see because, you know, and we've he, talked about this before where I'm yeah. like, you would think because he just does so much now, you know, with, you know, guys like you, he does all the Southern draws. He yeah. does uh, a lot with Altidus, a lot with General um, and then he has, you know, obviously his own lines. And you would think, like, eventually, like, you're just going to get tired of it. Like, oh, yeah, you can tell this is an AJ. Because, no, man, it's just hit after hit. But that's what makes the difference, right? Of, right. Of foundation cigars from any other cigars. It's my blends. I have right. a, speci- a specific. It's like you put me in the kitchen with the best ingredients. Okay, I can make something maybe decent. <laughs> but somebody that knows how to put the ingredients together, you're going to have a totally different experience. Exactly. And I just have been fortunate to, you know, I love cigars since you know 96 i've been doing this when i started to learn where all these flavor profiles that i loved you know the 
cocoa, the dark espressos. The, but yeah. When I started learning all that, then I was able to form and develop a technique right. that I don't like to, you know, I don't like. <laughs> some, <laughs> some guys get people, well, how do you do I'm like, dude. No, I can't you, give you, you know. everything. Uh, you, you I mean, you got to keep your own recipe. Uh, really some sure. of these guys want to know, and some you don't people get like it Robert really Irvine, in. who tells you know does the whole entire menu. For I you understand at Restaurant Impossible. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I mean, I understand getting into, but I, you know, again, it's such a small industry. Right. So you know. I got you. Yeah, you gotta have your secrets. You gotta, so you we have uh, your techniques. We have a few questions here. Oh yeah. Um, this is from D Gabriel two sixteen, who always sends us a lot of questions. D Gabriel, what celebrity would you want to promote your cigars? What celebrity? I think I think I know who you would want because it's the same guy I would want, and we talked about him today several times. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. <laughs> Joe's just starting to smoke too. I know. I that's think. that's yeah. why I think there's a good yeah. chance I can get on there. <laughs> Bill Burr Burr was smoking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dude, why don't you send him some of yours to be like, Yo, Joe, like smoke the. He ha- like he'll. I feel like he'll have an industry guy like you on there because he. Ha- uh, so I watched the show Forged in Fire. Yeah. Well, the, the, the knife making show. It's yeah. great. It's they actually four four of the winners are from a a. a Shop in Connecticut right. for the winners have been from that same shop. Really, but one Which of the guys, Forge and Fire, it's on the History okay. Channel. But yeah, it's no, on, I've it's on seen Hulu. some of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can get you the name of the shop off uh, offline. But he had one of the guys on because Joe's like an avid elk hunter, and this guy made him his like. Like oh, a yeah, knife yeah, that he yeah, like you. Yeah. So he had him on for a whole episode. Yeah. And it's just like no one else would know who this guy is. Yeah. He's not like some writer. Dude, it's just, just a guy who makes knives. Man, we'll, dude. we'll push it. We'll make a video for you. Dude, we'll, we'll do a whole a whole promotion. We got the shirts. We'll, yeah. yeah. All right. I, I think he would be willing to do it. I think uh, you never know. You never know what's going on. Uh, you never know what's working. going on. He's already got to work and he doesn't need us. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> um, this is from Smoke Rings and Pairings. Did Charter Oak come from heaven? It did. It did. It did, as all of these great tobaccos do. It's a combination of heaven and earth. Yeah. And uh, fire. 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 This is, this is a weird question, but I want to see if you have an answer. Uh-oh. What cigar do you hate that you love? Like, you hate that you have to love it. Like, it's, it's like, I, sh- I don't want to love this, but, like, I do. Interesting. It is. That is um, a good question. Honestly, I'm going to say Do this I hate out. as far as, like... Just like don't like it, or just like, hate like for I... for me, it was it's honestly the H Upman one seventy fifth is is I'm just like because I, I like H Upman's, but like for this to be like one of my favorite cigars of the year, I'm like God damn, like H Upman did this, God damn, this is good. Huh. It's like one of those things. You don't have to answer. It's just you know like, what I like really is uh, Henry Clay. Yeah, I love the broad the broadleaf Henry Clays. That's that was one of that's one of Pete Johnson's favorites too. That was one of his yeah, original. He and I talked about that yeah. a while ago. Yeah, we had a whole geek out uh, conversation about just the broadleaf when they come together in that box and they're all mm-hmm. sticking together. And that's uh, the best, man. Yeah, we're so weird. The, the, the new one, it's great. <laughs> the new one was pretty nuts. good. The the Warhawk, which was I haven't had that one. It's good. It's actually reversed. It's a broadleaf binder, but with yeah. a great Ecuadorian binder. Broadleaf makes a great binder. It does. Um, how long have you gone since joining the industry without smoking a cigar? How long have I gone without smoking a cigar? Yeah. God. Three hours. These are unbelievable mm. questions. Um, I Probably a week, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Um, what is one of your favorite cigars that isn't one of your own creations? One of my favorite cigars, which isn't one of my own creations. Um, Dion from Illusion made one called Anunnaki at one point. Really? Yeah. It was like I forgot what it was, but he hooked me up with one of those. That was a tasty smoke. We we we're, we we become addicted to the uh, the one off 
that he just created. Yeah, the that's a good oil. smoke. That's a really good smoke. That's a good smoke. I'm a big fan. What uh, What's the best cigar scene in a movie or TV show for you? Ooh. These are tough, man. These are tough, These are tough questions. These are good questions. Uh, but wait a second. You got to give me a second on this take it, one. Take Holy your time. Cow. While That's... he thinks about that, my wife thought these questions were for you. You know, I'm going to bring... They probably are. I, I, I put, Wait like, a second. Nick I want to hear his. I want to hear his. I put. Did you see my response? Who's Nick? Yeah, Malillo? he put, he commented like, "Who is Nick Malillo? <laughs> Um I would say actually because I just got a picture of it from a good friend. Was Jack uh, Jack Nicholas in uh, in uh, well, a few good men mm-hmm. when he's sitting down and he's smoking. That's a cool scene. But the first Batman. Before he becomes the Joker, when he's that guy Jack, is that, yeah, yeah, and he's smoking. And he's smoking. Yeah. I just got a, a friend of mine got That's me awesome. a, a beautiful picture of that. Um, so that one's a cool one. That is. There's a Wolverine one where he he always has the a cigar. Uh, yeah. yeah, he always has a cigar. Yeah. And and, uh, and it, uh, there was one, and I think he's actually smoking an Opus in the first Expendables, oh, Sly yeah. Stallone. But it, it looks like an Opus label, but it looks like it's like a sixty ring gauge, and like I don't think they make one in a sixty. Maybe they just put the label. They, on they, he might have just done that because he's yeah. I know he's a big Fuente guy. Um, Maybe he made it for him. My friend Louis asked if we shipped to Canada because he asked that question every time. <laughs> I had, posted, I had posted um, a birthday thing for my friend Louie, who's a cigar smoker, and I posted a picture of him on the JR Instagram with like, him smoking a cigar. I'm like, everyone wish Louie a happy birthday. And this one guy's like, you know, everyone's, oh, happy birthday. Oh, you know, good for you. man. happy birthday. And this guy's like, do you ship to Canada? And I'm like, no. He's like, damn shame. So now every time I post a question on Instagram, Louie's like, you guys ship to Canada? Yeah, i um, Who would you want to work with on a blend in the industry? Oh, God. There's so many great people. There is. Um, you know. Would it be an honor to work with someone like uh, Padron? Unbelievable. Mm. I mean, that would be unbelievable. Yeah, that would be pretty crazy. Um, of course, you know, Fuente, unbelievable. <laughs> um, he's, mo- he's making a factory in Nicaragua. You guys can do, I hear you guys this. Can do a yeah, collaboration. I hear this. Everyone's I hear going this. there now. Everyone's moving down there now. You know, Nicaragua is a, is a great... You know, the tobacco in Nicaragua is just... So many of these guys have used these, this tobacco right. for so long. Um you know, it's what's interesting about Nicaragua is just the plant, you know, itself, the diversity between the lower primings of the plant and the upper primings mm-hmm. is so diverse in strength and flavor. That's why it's become so sought right. after on the marketplace is because of that. So, and also the diversity in terms just in terms of the growing regions that you have, like Esteli, yeah. Yalapa, yeah. like you're getting Condega, Ometepe yeah, in the south. Different, different yeah. kinds of tobaccos. Most vo- uh, active volcanoes in Central America. Again, Omatepe is, is a big one this year. There's a few guys who um, Aging Room just did it. Who else yeah. just used it? We were uh, the Placencia Almafuego. Placencia does an amazing job down they do. there. Yeah, they've been growing there for some time. They do. Would you ever use Omatepe tobacco? I actually do in the yeah. High Clear. In, in the, the High Clear, in both the Victorian. In both of them. Yeah, oh wow! Yeah, the commonality just between the two blends is some of the Omatepe and the binders Matafina Brazilian Matafina. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, trying. He's uh, he's still. I, I have to give him more Dominican cigars because the ones I've given him he hasn't been uh, crazy about. Don't like them. But, but, uh, but, I, th- but then he also, you know, when he reads it, like, you know, these, these famed Dominican blenders are making factories in Nicaragua. He's like, see, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> so the Dominican, again, the Dominican plant, their highest priming, their strongest tobacco is like the middle for okay. Nicaraguan plant. Mm. So 
Again, I don't say any tobacco is better or worse. Right. You know, oh, is this but better? But your, your, your profile, what you like to make, is is better suited in Nicaragua. I just did. That's where my experience has right. been, and that's where, you know, the growing... And we've just had access to so much Nicaraguan leaf over the years, yeah. and it was, for so many years, less inexpensive than Dominicans, so it always just sort of made sense right. to use Nicaraguan. Um, every tobacco has its own characteristic, right. you know, so it's not better or wor- what makes it better or worse is the growing practices, your sorting and selecting, your fermentation. That's what makes something, you know, better or worse in the tobacco world. Otherwise, everything is an ingredient and exactly. can be used to, you know, make Yeah, so you just don't like like cumin. That's that's what yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Even I put cumin in so all Maybe if my, you use yeah. too much, well, you know, Dominican in the blend, you're not going to necessarily like it, but right. if you you know, mix it, mix and match, and blend right. it. Right. You know, well, you I'm the same way with blend. with Honduran tobacco. Like, I, like well, anything that's like straight Honduran, I I'm typically not a fan of. Yeah. Have, have you used like what country of tobacco? Like, have you not used that you want to use in the future? That's or, a good question. That's a good question. I've used I've used a lot, man. From from almost. Um, Every Have you used Honduran, gro- yet? Honduran, I use a, actually a little bit in okay. the in in some of my blends because there's a few farms. Uh, the Placencias grow some amazing yeah. tobacco in the Hamastron region, which is just in you know when you cross over from Jalapa in the north of Nicaragua. Once you cross over um, into Honduras, it becomes the Hamastron Valley. Valley. So um, I do use a little bit there. I'm more into like right now is experimenting seed, you know, seed varieties right. because I've used um, there's some Peru tobacco that I would like to use um, some filler tobaccos that uh, a family that I know uh, has has done a great job there in Peru. And I haven't really used it a lot. Um, so I would love to, right. To it, use it's some hard to, it, 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 I, I would feel it's hard to like find, like, I want to use this tobacco. It's kind of like you already have a blend and what you want the cigar to taste like and be. And it's like, you have to kind of use whatever tobaccos are going to work for that. I can imagine it's harder to make a blend. Like, no, this blend is just going to be whatever the Peruvian tobacco lets it be. It's, I would assume it's probably harder to do it that way. So. Yeah, that's a good test, though. I would yeah. love to, like, maybe do something like that. Just make like a that. blend, yeah. like, like, let's see what I, what I can do with Peruvian. Because it really does come about the tobacco, right? That's where I start the projects. It, it, it come, is centered around the tobaccos, right. and it sort of grows, grows from there, yeah. you know? Um, whereas, you know, a lot of times I think some cigar brands start completely from the opposite, you know, from the branding side of it yeah. as, as opposed to the... Like, we're going to call this Wednesday. It's going to be cool. I want it to be all Nicaraguan. And then, like, then you yeah. got to figure out your, your blend. But yeah. if you have the tobacco is all set, it's like, well, I can build it out of out of here. Right. Very interesting. Nick, this, has been, interesting. this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, a- anytime you're in the area, I would love to have you on. And then we're... You've been talking about wanting to make, like, a documentary. I want to do something. This is the guy. I got to do something. Like, Let's this is do the it. Guy. You feel because we, we can go up to Connecticut and get a lot of done there, and then yep. we go come see, down to Nica, come down to Nicaragua, and yep. see what he's got going on down there. Definitely, I'm all for it. You, you're based in Esteli, right? Esteli and uh, CT. I've been back and forth, man. <sighs> Too much. I'm about <laughs> to. I got a million miles on American Airlines in June. Jesus. Yeah. Well, you Crazy. Get upgrade, get first class, get a hot oh, they towel. Treat, they treat me good. There they gave go. me a pat on the back. You know. <laughs> That's because they were searching, you for, they were searching yeah. you for weapons. <laughs> Their hand is in my pocket most of the time. <laughs> if you guys get a chance, check out, I talk about the Seed to Cigar video that mm. we did. Yep. Time lapse. 
I gotta check it out. And we're shooting music videos. I saw that. What's the name oh. of that group again? The Reminders. The Reminders. They're they're cool, man. They're they're, they're, they're great good. people. They're awesome. They're really awesome people. They're awesome. Yeah. They sent me that song in May. I heard it and I said, We gotta shoot a music video. I'll Check we'll, out we'll reminders post it, post it on the Facebook page. Yeah, I'll that would be I'll awesome. On the Facebook page for you, no problem. That would be dope. Nick, thank you very much, guys. Guys, you're awesome. Please go check out Foundation Cigars at jrcigars.com. Uh, one of my favorite brands of all time. And really quick, make sure you check out this week. We have our Halloween Cutter Contest sponsored Ooh. by Zycar. We have five special Halloween styled cutters from Zycar, and oh. the winners of the contest are going to get their names engraved on them. Um, details will come out uh, later on uh, today on our Facebook and Instagram page. Check it that out. It has your name on it. But it has your name on it, too. That's nice. <laughs> so make sure you check it out. The, the details and everything will follow, but Halloween contest, and uh, we'll be announcing the winners on Halloween on our special live Halloween podcast where Greg will be dressed up. Of something. Let's just say it's going to be fruity, Greg. I can't wait. That's all we're going to say. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you, guys. Appreciate guys, it. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you later. Peace.